Welcome to the Fred Tech Bite Podcast. I'm your host, Andres Mendoza, and with me is my co-host, Mark Walker, and thanks to FitC.org and Root for hosting us, Root is a one-stop public-private partnership to jumpstart new businesses and energize innovation in Frederick County. Dig deep, cultivate tomorrow. Thanks, Mark. So today's episode is going to be with Tobin Lehman, who is the CEO and founder of New North a B2B marketing uh, company. And I think their company handles a lot of most uh, digital marketing. Uh, he talked right? a lot about digital. Right. Uh, as a matter of fact, he mentioned that most of his employees were digital natives. Right, that's right. So he's, he's in the social media platforms, email marketing, and a bunch of other stuff. But what I really liked about this um, this episode, not only do we highlight the company and him as an entrepreneur, we I found out that he use, utilizes Agile for... His process, the right? The agile aspect in marketing was fascinating. Right. So, yeah, check it out. He talks, he gets into that de- into, into that in detail, right? Detail and handles metaphors very well. That's right. So, check it out. Welcome, Tobin, to, to the podcast. Glad to have you here. Awesome. So are we just going to run, just kind of record the whole thing? Or We're just recording start? right now. Okay, yeah. wonderful. <laughs> so how are you doing today? Uh, doing great. Um, it's been a good day, good week uh, so far. I mean, so it's far. only Monday, so we can't, can't hurt too bad. But um, no, it's been great. It's been a good year for New North as we reflect on 2018 here going into 19. So yeah. That's right. It's coming up on the end of the year now. Very soon. It's already the end of the year in my mind and, you know, thinking of next year and things like that. So Yeah, Chuck, ahead of 2018. I was thinking exactly the same way, at least for the podcast, like cool. what new stuff we want to do and things like that. So Yeah, it's a great excited. season of reflection. I think it fits well with just having to think about December and, you know, December being such a short month. We call November and December one month. In our mm-hmm. functional aspect, because you have Thanksgiving kind of shuts it down, and then right. December has got Christmas holiday, and so functionally you have about a regular month in there right. with client work and things like that to get stuff done. So, do you guys have like a busy season at all? Um, in our work, um, it's pretty consistent. Okay, our clients have busier seasons than than that. So, I mean, summer months they're on vacation, so mm-hmm. it's a little lighter for us. Same thing with December; it'll be lighter just right. because of you know our clients aren't emailing or calling or asking for things so cool changes that way so so yeah so you work for uh, your company is called new north correct right? mm-hmm. um tell me describe it in a billboard if, if i'm driving sure. by sure so new north is a firm that focuses on marketing and positioning digital tech firms so b2b tech firms in the space so all the way from positioning and strategy mm-hmm. all the way down to the tactical aspects of advertising whether it be blogging websites social media things like that so high level positioning strategy thinking all the way down to tweets and posts and emails and things like that. Do you guys just handle the kind of digital uh, market only? Yeah, we're in the digital space completely. I mean, it fits for tech, it fits for budgets, it fits Mm -hmm. for 2018 going into 19. Um, We're not anti-print, but we just realized that there's a a bias towards data, especially in the tech field. Um, There's been a bias in my mind towards data ever since I got into advertising. So Mm -hmm. I think in the same way, Data is why we're in digital, not because it's fancier, it's fast because there's data. Right, and you you could, based off those social media platforms and online platforms, you can get data pretty quickly. So you Absolutely. can you can know like is this campaign working or not yep. right away. Feedback loops um, mm-hmm. are super fast and they're quick and they're easy to access. Versus, I mean, you're talking months in a direct mail campaign sometimes to get feedback loops. And yeah. then the accuracy is in question. And you can right? respond to that uh, feedback that you get. Quickly. Very quickly. Yeah. 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 yeah, absolutely. We are, um, not to jump too far out of your schedule here, but um, we are an agile marketing agency, meaning that we also 
um, work in an agile mind frame. So just as an agile dev team would use points, um, we use points to scale our activities for clients, things like that. So we actually cool. are agile in the context of how we do marketing. Um, also to both react in that context. So our sprints are 30 days. Okay. So we sprint 30 days. 30 days, okay. Yeah. And it's funny because when you said the feedback loop, that's exactly what came to my mind was yeah. the, the agile process and all that. I'm like, yeah, okay. Absolutely. Yep. That's very cool. Yeah. You know, I don't think I've ever heard of a company using, you know, the no, agile process in marketing. For marketing, would you, would you elaborate on that a little bit more? Because that would, this is sure. interesting. So it, it's, it's an interesting process because we are service-based. And so you're not, um, you know, thinking of, just particular widgets or things, but what kind of delivery can we do in a certain point basis? And you know, we just celebrated 10 years in business this year for the New North, so Congrats. celebration there. Thank you. And part of that was realizing, even beginning on last year, that we kind of knew what we were doing in certain aspects, and we could kind of fix point items and things like that. And just the idea of Agile through our client work and our understanding of Agile. I mean, Agile in web dev has been around for a long time. Has been, yeah. Right. And so we looked at having Agile in web dev, but it wasn't, you can't just be partially Agile. Right. <laughs> right. Like your whole organization has to be Agile. And so it started to creep from web dev into other aspects of our organization and realize we need to just move the whole ship into Agile. What kind of adaptation did you do when you moved it from a web, web dev Model to applying it to a marketing operation. Did you did you have to do many? Uh, what did you have to shift, or how, how did you adapt? Um, well, the first thing we had to adapt was expectations for the client, okay. right? Because that's the biggest shift in agile. Okay. Inter- well, let me start internally first, then we'll move back to the big thing. Sure, sure. Internally, there's processes, there's pieces that go into play. Um, the tools are similar whether you're in web dev or in marketing. There's just there's stories, there's yep. items, there's things like that. Um, but really the shift comes through when we talk about how we introduce Agile into an environment that has been predominantly deliverable-based, right? They're thinking, I'm going to pay for X. Mm-hmm. Well, when you stack up enough Xs, it doesn't always equal what you want to receive in the end. So it's shifting to a results-based economy, right? So thinking in terms of having the project leader or the, um, I, know, I don't know all my agile terms, so give me mm-hmm. a little grace here, but that product um, leader or the product manager who's kind of determining what the outcome should be, right. that gets shared between an agency like us and the client. We determine goals and every month we're working towards those goals, not in a like, well, we're just going to do X amount of blogging or X amount of emails. We're going to say, what needs to be, what needs to happen this month to achieve that goal? Right. How is it changing the data that you have coming in? Well, we use the data to then determine what we do each month. So each month we could be doing blog posts one month. We could hit a goal we're looking at for SEO. Or we could do an email and that gets enough engagement where we can actually back off of that tactic, add to this tactic, and we shift that around. We use points on all of our activities. So it took us about two and a half months to point the entire catalog of what New North could do. Mm-hmm. That does um, sound like a good match for DevOps when you're looking at the adjustment as you go. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and w- what I like about this, um, what you guys are doing, is that in Agile, it gives you the, within, a, let's say, your sprint is in a month, right? Mm-hmm. By the end of that sprint, you should have something that you can deliver. However, a- as well, you can get feedback from the things that you've been doing so far. Right. So then you can start shifting. Is this working? If it is, keep going. If it's not, shift somewhere else, you know? Yeah. So instead of like your clients expecting, oh, I need X amount of blogs within, you know, a given time frame, you can say, well, hey, this is not really working. We should shift to something else. Is that what you yeah, guys are doing? Absolutely. In, in our world, too, um, tactics and outcomes are intermingled a lot in clients' minds. So sometimes, we're, we're always delivering. So in an agile sense, we're always delivering blog posts, emails, mm-hmm. social tweets. We're always delivering some kind of tactic. 
but ultimately we're focused on a goal, which isn't necessarily X amount of tactics. It could be X amount of leads, certain amount of traffic. Um, it's really marketing-based outcomes, which are unrelated to the tactic. In a, in a website, for example, you're trying to get to a website, but you're just going to deliver and deliver and deliver. But us, we may be doing blogs to affect SEO rank. Right. We may be doing email to affect the number of customers that are engaged. So. You, you have a basically an outcome and you're working different eventually convert different levers. Levers. Yeah, conversions, conversions yeah. for a website yeah. so yeah. you're working different levers to try to affect an outcome yeah. where it's not just scaling a delivery over time it's actually delivering tactics to reach an outcome that's not necessarily one-to-one with a tactic but encircling or encamping that result with the tactics needed to achieve it so if we're trying to raise traffic for a client for example to a website that would involve some social tactics. That would involve some blogging. That can involve some email. Can involve some paid media. It all depends on what those tactics could be to then drive that lever of traffic up. And then, how do you measure that success there, like the traffic? Or what, what kind of tools you guys are using for that? I'm sure, I mean something as basic as analytics. I mean, Google Analytics will drive Google that. Analytics, you, yeah. You're doing sourcing through that. Mm-hmm. Um, we use a lot of marketing automation software, so HubSpot, even okay. social management platforms as well, like Hootsuite, things like that. So. Any tool that can give us good analytics would be in that process, but um, I mean, what's happened in at least the past ten years is just the explosion of tools, analytics tools, and digital media. I mean, there's half a dozen for every channel that you want to be in in terms of right. analytics and things like that. So there's so much data out there to get. It starts becoming more of an exercise in in frugality in terms of what you want to look at data wise. Right. At this point. Yeah, like ten years ago, you could not give this kind of level of. Of oh, data, right? Well, I think I think that data, that the availability of that data, has driven a lot of what digital marketing does these days. Right. Yeah, because it was non-existent ten years right. ago. Just yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, the the cookie has revolutionized digital marketing a whole lot. I mean, that's just <laughs> he's just going to see what's involved with cookie tracking now. I mean, that's that's huge for digital marketing. Without that, we're just shooting in the dark a lot of times. With right. Them, so. Yeah, cookies. That that could be a whole new topic we could talk about. <laughs> yeah. Well, then you get into like GDRP kind of stuff. I mean, there's a big privacy, and I think that will ultimately affect marketing. I mean, we're going to watch from a distance in the U.S. how that affects the other countries, but I wouldn't say something like that is coming soon. But the GDRP affect you guys? No, we don't have any clients out of the uh, U.S. I mean, the US? even, even okay. multinational. We have some that are multinational, but. Um, Everyone's just kind of doing the minimum at this point and right. kind of letting software dictate it, which is a lot of it. Right. So not, yeah. not big policies yet. I think California is yeah, they're currently their privacy. The privacy laws are going to be mm-hmm. a bit more strict than GDPR or GDRP. Um, yeah, unfortunately, I'm not too up on that yet, but I'm sure I'll be. It seems to be the gold standard from <laughs> yeah. from what I've read, and assuming that California does ratify that, I'd imagine like other states would, and yeah. you know it's. As a developer, right? What would you code for? I would code for the one that's the hardest, right? Because right? then everything else can, yeah, everything right. else can follow suit. So yeah. we'll see how how that will affect marketing, yeah. developing, and all that stuff. Yeah, it'll so. be interesting to see because we're we're very tool and data tied into digital space, and so it'll be interesting to see how that definitely transforms. But it sounds like you'd be looking for the tools to adapt as well because they would have to uh, because. Um, because Absolutely. everybody has to. Yeah, the tools would be yeah. first in the line of compliance. Yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, so what drew you to start New North? Um, you said you guys celebrated 10 years, right? Yeah. It, was it, did you see this emergence in this digital presence, like marketing and all that stuff there? Or um, were you driven by other factors that yeah. other companies weren't doing? I'm kind of a weird cat in that um, I've always been an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I started my first business when I was seven, like selling candy. So, I've always been creating businesses. New North is my fifth business, and I'm starting two more next year. Oh, nice. So I just have an entrepreneurial bug, so it's a little different for me. 
Um, so it was kind of a not an if, more of a when kind of situation for starting this agency. I did work for two other agencies prior to this when I got out of college just to really learn the ropes and kind mm-hmm. of Im- immerse. And, you know, one of your questions about, you know, kind of getting into entrepreneurship, immersion is so important just to be in the space. Um, right. A lot of times when I meet entrepreneurs and they're talking about starting a business, I really question, like, where they're coming from in that space. Like, how much do they really know about that space? And, and kind right. of like, you know, if you've been in, you know, auto mechanics or, you know, even the automotive world and you want to shift over to, you know, uh, flower delivery. Like, I just need to know how much you actually know about that industry right, before right. you jump into it. Right. So. Is it is something that you think there's a problem there or was it a hobby that you see that you know there's a problem that you can solve right. there? And identifying that problem and having mm-hmm. them to speak about it is, is key. So I saw um, really just an extension of my services and kind of my attitude towards data and design and, and digital. I mean, this was starting it in 2008. I mean, prior to that, in the early 2000s, I mean, I remember when Google bought Urchin, which became Analytics. And so, I mean, I was kind of on the either the, the post-boom wave, but at least in the early enough to see digital marketing taking a hold of technology and moving this direction. I mean, some of the we were some of the first people to run Google paid ads. And so just okay. being in that wave of seeing digital, I mean, I tell people Facebook didn't exist when I started this career, which is strange. It makes me feel somewhat old as I'm kind of thinking through this, but all my staff are digital natives. I mean, they grew up on Facebook and things like that. So trying to see this wave and this transition. um, So I see the temporal nature of it all, but also seeing that there's, um, there's a big need, there's a big growth, there's opportunity here. And, um, you know, there's a lot of things happening and businesses are going to need to figure it out and adjust and capitalize on it. And B2B tech, especially are the latest comers just because of, the kind of intimacy with their consumer. I mean, so we do a lot of B2B tech, so we're, it's always a person-to-person mm-hmm. sale, but really um, there's much more deliberation in that process. We're not selling, like we don't sell microphones, for example. We sell, help someone sell a fifteen or $20,000 product line or even bigger than that if it's a relationship over time, lifetime value would be bigger. So we're doing something we call considered purchase, which is not just a buy now kind of purchase, but may take weeks, months to actually go through the contract negotiations, things like that, to help market and create that. So our primary driver is to kind of drive awareness of a product or service for a market. And we are really working really closely with sales teams to actually okay. execute that. And there's usually a handoff point somewhere in the marketing funnel or the revenue funnel where we would pass off a lead to the sales team. And then they'll take care of that. Yeah. Close the, yeah. close the sale from there. Yeah. So is there some, like, I guess, what is New North's, like, differentiator for this B2B online marketing space? Well, I actually think... Operationally, the actual part okay. is a big part of it. Um, so you said no. I was going to okay. say yeah. I, I mean, I've never yeah. heard of a marketing agency use agile. So yeah, to me that, yeah, that was definitely it is. Striking. Those who get it get it, and they under, they respect it, and they understand the, the process of it. Um, I just think our focus on data is big. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of marketing firms, and there's a lot of design firms, and sometimes it's hard to understand the difference. Um, there's people who create create tactics, and there's those who can orchestrate tactics. We're more of the orchestrator of okay. tactics. Um, so we have that kind of high level. And we're also ROI-based. And so we're not just delivery-based. We're goal-based. And so it's not just, hey, let's make a website. Let's send an email. What is the ROI? And so all of our clients judge us kind of annually on the return on investment. Okay. So what do we do ROI-wise? What kind of money do they give to North? What kind of money do they get out in leads and right. revenue opportunities? And that's that's unique. I don't, right. Not many agencies do that. Um, it's difficult. It's right. it's definitely a um, a reach, but we have a lot of expertise in that space. We have a lot of understanding of how that works, um, and we bake in a lot of tactics. We experiment a lot quicker than a lot of people can, mm-hmm. um, and we're just kind of all a little 
crazy about this space. <laughs> Visually, we just love the digital space. Um, said I, I kind of grew up in it and, and growing through it. And so seeing the opportunities, understanding where we can move and really providing those opportunities for a client. So in some ways, we kind of see ourselves like investment managers. Like you're going to make an investment in marketing. Mm -hmm. How would you best want to do that? We can advise on that process as well as, you know, execute those pieces. So um, that's really going to see it as our as our unique aspect. And having, you know, just experience over and over again in certain types of industries, whether you're like a VAR, whether you're like, a, let's say you're a Microsoft VAR, like a value-added reseller, you would sell Microsoft products. Mm -hmm. We've been down the VAR road. If you're an integrator where you, you customize and... Um, deploy hardware that's something we can do too so typically we look at hardware and software either you make it or you resell it and that's okay. kind of our our grid of where you fit in the noonar spectrum so either you make hardware or you fit hardware either you make software or you fit software right. somewhere in that aspect where's your value added in this chain somewhere right yeah where do you fit yeah. as a company so you have companies um who create software we have companies who are like vars and sell other people's software we have mm -hmm. companies that um do like a managed services it so they go and actually install hardware and set up services in that process too so um and really we've developed expertise over doing this for so many years with the same types of companies like i know a lot about certain industries because i've been in, baked in this small circle of industries and that's that's a challenge in marketing firms sometimes you get firms that do you know, can do balloon sales and can sell, you know, slide whistles and can do right. cars. I mean, they're just all over the place. And so I think having a niche-focused agency helps build that. Otherwise, we couldn't really offer that level of strategy, like strategic mm -hmm. marketing, mm -hmm. versus just hitting go on yeah, tweets. Hitting go, right. It seems that having a staff of digital natives would make it easier to adapt to any changes that came down uh, than you otherwise might be able to. And it would be easier to be more na natively agile. In terms of your process. Yeah. That's what I'm picking up from what you're saying. Yeah, there, there is a yeah. good part of that that helps. Um, and I think it it's also part of the culture, too. I mean, um, yeah. crafting this business now for 10 years, and I feel like it's it's like a, a sculpture that never finishes. You're always crafting. You're always shaping it. And really shaping a culture that moves towards that, too, to be always learning. I mean, remain teachable is one of our core values. And so we're always looking for what's to learn in that space because we're usually the ambassador for those new ideas to our clients. Mm -hmm. But you're dealing with a modifying, a constantly cha constantly changing legal framework, yep. techno technical framework, cultural framework, uh, all those yeah. integrating with each other. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, a, yeah. That's, a, yeah. That's, a, that's a talent. <laughs> it is. It's just a lot to, to navigate yeah. through, but that's yeah. that's the field we chose to be in, you know, to be in that space to help navigate that. And I find it fascinating. I mean, it's... It's always interesting to open right, the so browser every morning when there's yeah. something happening. Right. Right. That, that fascination comes through just listening to you. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, it's cool. So when would you say that, was there a moment that you knew, like, this is working? Like, New North, the Agile process, all this stuff. Like, this is, you're um, on the right track here. Yeah, I think, you know, business sometimes can be a, a journey of a thousand mistakes, you know, in that context. And so I think we did a lot of work and did a lot of shifting, but then realized there was um, a couple of things that really worked out in our favor in that context. So shifting to agile um, was, was one of those things. Um, even shifting, maybe not even understanding the full ramification of that and then realizing even in the process, like, well, Hey, actually this is getting a much more of a response from our customers than we thought it was. So it wasn't a customer centric decision. It was maybe an internal decision right? Um, or even um, positioning things like that. Um, sometimes, Something like positioning, like being in B2B tech or creating a very niche app, for example, if I think about, you know, people out there creating apps, sometimes it's hard to create the niche app. 
to realizing you may only have 10,000 possible customers there and, right. and realizing it's going to be a hard dig to get in that space. Um, I have a friend of mine who went down that road with an app and they got some funding and it's been a great adventure for him. But to have that discipline to stay in the groove too is, is something to, to learn. But I think that's what we've seen in that process. And I don't want to too far from the, the, the question, but just the continual value and can you of just working it out and keeping going. But I think we realized it was all kind of working. Um, at least I did anyway. Um, as it starts to grow, <laughs> you don't really, you know, like heads up too much wondering, is this working? Well, we have more work than we can handle. Let's right. keep growing it and keep growing it. Um, but then I think, you know, big turning point is just realizing that we serve a customer. And I think you can get involved with ops. You can get involved with all these pieces of your business as an entrepreneur. Realize that you're here because you're doing one thing. You're creating value for your customer. Mm-hmm. And when you lose sight of that, that's when things start to spiral out of control, I think. Right. And you start failing. If you're always thinking of value, always creating value out for your customer, how can we create more value for them? And, and you know, we're going into our retreat season here for New North and that's always the topic is how are we going to add value to this? Because, like, so we moved to Agile Marketing just about two years ago. Um, there's going to be people behind us very soon doing the same thing, right? So mm-hmm. these trends will happen. You'll, you'll create an app and someone will create an app just like yours. Just I, like, yeah. Yeah, I, I've, I've actually, we created an app company a couple of years ago and we were one of the first ones in the space and then we were one of six in the space. Yeah. So it happens very quickly. So how are you going to now add more value to that right. product? Keep going, keep going, keep, keep going. going. You have to keep pushing it forward, keep pushing it forward. And that's that's the race in the app world I opted out of. We, we kind of sold the, com- the company in that process. But um, there's just that constant push to keep innovation, keep innovation, keep right. add. But it's always around adding value, not just, you know, making shiny buttons. But how are we going to add value to this this company, this service, this product? And don't you keep that going? Keep your eyes on that. You don't need to put your eyes on anything else, I think. The rest will kind of in a way take care of itself yeah I mean I, I've heard of expressions that as as long as like you said you're you're concentrating on adding value to what you're giving your clients then there's no need to even look at your competition because yeah it's true you know that that's just noise this is white noise yeah. and you as an entrepreneur can can you attest to that right well I think yes in a way it's it's that's highfalutin I think in a way too but <laughs> I agree that you can do that you should do that but I think it's good to look around once in a while because you don't want to get t-boned like by someone who's coming in really hard on, on a competition piece, but competition is very real and to see where things are going. So kind of parlaying to an app company mm-hmm. we had for a while ago, um, this, um, this company, we saw the space even collapsing. So it's like, yeah, you can keep adding value, but if the space you're in is even collapsing, like then you're doing your yeah. customers going down. So you have mm-hmm. to kind of keep peripheries, but I agree that the value is the main thing, but always looking at your competition. I mean, as a marketing strategy company, we're always looking at competition. We're always looking at those pieces, see how they're moving because, you know, not to, to jump off topic too much, but sometimes you'll look at your competitors too much. And that's one of the, what they're speaking against is looking at your competitors. Oh, they're, they've got X now in their product. Let's add X to our product. Right. Well, if they're doing their job, they're reacting to something the customer need. Right. So you're, now you're copying them. Right. The best possible outcome is your number two in the space because right. they're the one looking at the customer and you're looking at them. Yeah. Right. So if you want to be number one in your space, you need to look at the customer only, add value. Right. And they'll start copying you. We've seen this over and over again. We have led clients through messaging or positioning exercises. 
we've positioned them outside the market into a place that's, you know, you call like a blue ocean. You've ever heard of the kind of yes, the red, red ocean? ocean blue, yes, yeah. yes, exactly. So you put them in a blue ocean. So space. you're focusing on the blue ocean aspect of things right. and, and finding success there. And I have not heard that term. So what is that? Oh, yeah. Uh, comes, yeah. What's the yeah, let's comes just, from? Let, let's, let's, yeah, let's yeah. define that because that's yeah. important because you're doing Yeah, it's, it's called Blue Ocean Strategy. It's this book. It's, it's fairly old. It's a great book just yeah. about this idea of it's kind of a grotesque concept, but the idea of the blue ocean is that there's no sharks, no competition, but in the red ocean, there's lots of sharks, there's blood in the water. That's why the red ocean. Yeah, so the blue ocean means like more differentiated, less competition. More niche, I guess. Right. Niche is one possible strategy for that, yeah. So you can you can niche deeper into a target group. So you move into a blue ocean, you've got that space. We've seen that over and over again. And you know, you when you push in that space, it's scary. There's not a lot of competition. You don't have a lot of judgment to base. Right. And there's actually been some great science around this. There's many thought leaders in the whole idea of, of niche strategy or positioning your blue ocean strategy and how to not hedge bets, but at least talk through some of those right. concepts. But yeah. getting out for adding value, adding value in a unique way. That's the kind of the key, and you'll see your customers kind of coming in behind you, soaking up these attributes. And Blue Ocean gets you away from reacting to your competition, also because you're yeah. not living in that world. Right. Yeah. You're thinking about opportunities. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of great examples in the book, but I think one of the ones they use is like Circus Soleil, like the whole thing they did there with the circus. I mean, that, what a red ocean that was. I mean, then they open up a whole new market. Right. And this idea of this kind of high end performance environment. So it's a blue ocean there. They open up a whole new market for them to react to. Um, and that's definitely part of it. So I think that's you know a big, big component to a position or at least you know walk through that that process. It's awesome. In your agile process, one thing mm-hmm. I'm wondering. What's one thing I'm wondering is what what are your daily scrum meetings like? <laughs> yeah, do you have scrum meetings? <laughs> or, um, or I don't know. We're yeah. talking agile. Yeah, I don't give you it, you know, too much of the the recipe, but um, no, you know, no, we, I not not. We, uh, so we do a stand up daily. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's fairly common. Kind of uh, what's up? What happened? What are you are you stuck? kind of daily. Um, and then we do something called a scrum ban, which is blasphemous for all, you know, agile people, either your Kanban, you know, or Kanban, sorry, Kanban or scrum, um, or your, um, so we kind of combine the both and, and kind of think through this process. We call it scrum ban. And so we kind of mash this together to make it work because there's just challenges with an agency platform where not all systems follow the same process. Right. Like if you're like an app dev shop, everything gets delivered the same way, mm-hmm. but where you have, we have hourly services in our firm. We have retainer-based services. Um, and so we have different different services going through different Your processes. Your reaction times could be very quick depending on what's happening. They can be super quick or they can be yeah. more intentionally planned out over a month, right? right? Yeah. So there's just too many models to stick to sure. one particular right. process. And I feel like in my company it's somewhat the same way. Like we've yeah. done agile, pure agile, and then now we've switched over to like a hybrid with the Kanban in there and all yeah. that stuff. And, and I think... Yeah. Depends on the well, product, too. I think it's true. You're adapting the best mix that, of tools. Yeah, yeah. You exactly. Need. That's, exactly. That's a true yeah. definition of Agile, right, is yeah. to, to do that. And so we've, mm-hmm. we've worked with an Agile consultant. Sure. She was a fantastic consultant, and we've talked through it. And so we're probably ready for a, a refresh session. But we, we spend time each month thinking about our Agile process, too. And um, we actually have a – we use a couple of different tools. Um, we use Mutant Star the most okay. for us. So we'll do retrospectives. And our retrospectives aren't time-based. They're more like event-based. So maybe retrospect on a meeting that just happened or an event we just did or a marketing campaign that went out. Like mm-hmm. we could do three in one day and we can do none for a week. Like it's right. not as set as like a cadence company for retrospectives for us. So our agile, kind of our doing of agile is 
different and sometimes but our being at is we're trying to you know, kind of keep no, I, I think it's the same way that any even a tech company you know some would be pure others would be hybrid like just exactly mm-hmm. like you're describing you know it right. depends on the need right yeah. and the number yeah. of resources you have so but it's still really cool to see that you guys are using those processes for marketing that's it's awesome fun. I mean in back to your topic too I mean the reason why we have to do I think we have to do this as an imperative is the fact that our industry does change so quickly oh yeah I mean I'd so imagine that even yeah. this, it was, I believe it was this year I mean this shows you how fast it goes I mean so Google Plus just oh, yeah. off the map right I, I remember that so yeah, yeah. I mean yeah. how, how would you react hi we're taking it away now yeah so how would you, <laughs> you react guys, you guys that? remember why right well there's data breach right? the yeah. data breach yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, you know let's go yeah. just nix it None. so I mean so if you had a contract for 12 months of you know Google Plus I mean obviously you're just going through paperwork trying to kill it but the reality is like well now what do we do like there's a whole thinking process but our thinking process is baked in every 30 days to rethink these things so that dies points go from that thing points go to a new tactic move over you're done you're done you use the word points a lot I'm not sure we all have that. Could you elaborate on when you say points what's your what we're talking about should we use points for effort so like yeah, as you would storyboard point, points. Storyboard right? points. Yeah. So we use storyboard points okay. in, a, in a similar way, but also points equate to our effort for each of our tactics. So right. Like a certain, like an article has a certain amount of points, or an email a certain amount of points. You guys use okay. specific like, uh, like Fibonacci or anything? Yeah, Fibonacci. No, like no, we have our own kind of uh, homegrown pointing system. Okay. Um, because it's it's not it's not t- as time based in many ways. Like some things are just easier and quicker and some things are, are right. more complicated. So it doesn't make sense to like, it takes us 10 hours to make sense. It doesn't, it's not financially make sense to build 10 hours to a client. No, so, like, it doesn't, yeah. so we kind of have this kind of equation we've built out to figure out how to, how to point it, to make get most value for the client mm-hmm. and, and make it transparent for them too. Okay. In that process. And you know, transparency, just to talk on that for a second, that's one of the best things I think about our, the point system in agile as a whole is bringing the client into that process. Right. Um, and they see everything we're doing. So we kind of we remove that mystery and marketing gets put in a big bucket of mystery. Like, I don't know what's going on in there. Like they're marketing, you know, air quotes. Like That's all I see. Things yeah, are happening, right? It, yeah. And so opening up the agile process gives us transparency to the client. They see where all the story points are going. Right. They see where their dollars and cents are going each month. So mm-hmm. it's very transparent. Which I think is again another differentiator. I mean, we sh- we just showed this to someone this past week, and they were just floored. They said they couldn't comprehend, like, "Well, I see everything. Like, I know what's going on." <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, that's the whole point. Like, we want to show you, want to be part of that process. Definitely. And I think it's just it's it, it's disruptive from a very traditional agency model that it is kind of like, "Give us money, we'll make some magic happen." Versus, well, you can see where your money's going. To yeah, you can see where it's going. Go. Cool. So that, that's awesome to hear about uh, New North. Um, I have a couple questions about you as an as an entrepreneur. Um, you know, you mentioned you were not, you've been an entrepreneur all your life, right? Since you were very young, you just have that mentality. And there are people like that. They just constantly see problems that they need to fix. And yep. it's like, I can do this better than the next guy. So why don't I just start my own company and do it? Right. What are your initial thoughts, I guess, like let's for New North, when you took the plunge, you know, what were your thoughts there? Um, so New York was interesting because that was the first business that was an all-in venture for me. It was, it was moving from you know some employment with someone else to basically being one hundred percent self-employed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that one was was a bit of a challenge. But I think the process there, thinking about that, um, kind of talks back to the process that I was talking about earlier of knowing the space. And I'd spent six years with other companies, intentionally learning, understanding, digging in, asking questions. So 
I had my you know virtual MBA in this industry through the mentors and people that I met in those companies and, and that were some great companies um, in that process. And so I already had a basis to understand that. So it wasn't a mechanical issue. Um, and so then I kind of surveyed the market and I had been, actually been building this business up during that time too. So freelancing, building it. And that's, you know, everyone talks about the grind. Like that's kind of the thing. And it was, that was the thing before they called it the grind. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just passion and it's understanding that there's going to take a bigger effort than what your neighbor's doing to make this happen. Right. Right. And that's, you know, we got so many spokesmen for the grind now. Um, but that's just the reality. And it's, it's much easier when you're 24 than it is when you're 64, but you can do it both ways. Just, you know, I, I mean, now I've got four kids um, and it's just harder to do all nighters and I just don't want to do them. So I've kind of did that grind early on, but there's just that level of I'm willing to go harder and faster and more than competition to make this reality happen. And realize that there's just a certain amount of speed and effort that needs to happen to launch something. Mm-hmm. So they call it a launch. Like launches don't it's not like a balloon launch where you just let go and it just flutters off. I mean, these things are like ships. They need velocity, they need speed, you need you need cash, you need proof of concept. All these things have to be built up to feel the seat rumbling and you mm-hmm. can let this thing go. And that's what those six years were for me in freelancing and building up, understanding. When I launched, um, it wasn't nearly as like a take out a hundred grand loan and, and hope, it, hope it all works. I mean, hope it works. I, had, yeah. I mean, proof of concept was, would be an understatement. I kind of knew the system. I had work. It was a very easy transition to launch. And so it was more like a 747 takeoff. Like it shook for a while, but once we took off, you're like, the metaphors are yeah. helpful. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Going yeah. off. What would you say? Um, like top two, like traits you have that gave you success that helped you with the success. Well, one that I think I'm trying to work through in some a lot of contexts is control issues, right? So I think most entrepreneurs have a little bit of um, that, that idea of like, I see how this should be and I want it to be like that, right? Um, and so working through those ideas of understanding where to take control and how to create an outcome. And I think that's a lot of entrepreneurship in, in my mind. I remember my uh, business professor at, at Penn State, I only had to take two or three business classes because I was um, actually a design major in school. Mm-hmm. But the design is the whole idea of um, working with solving a problem inside of constraints. Whether you're a visual designer, you're doing that visually, or you're a product designer, you're the same thing. You're working to solve a problem inside of constraints. And that's why I love design. I'm still a designer. I'm just a business designer now. Um, and so I think that idea of understanding, and so this business professor, you know, spent the first week talking about the kind of emotional and, you know, social problems most entrepreneurs have, <laughs> you know, kind of gave us this thought. I'm like, wow. That's kind of strange, but it kind of sounds like me. Um, and so, you know, that just kind of gave you a little bit of a, a launch into that idea of, of understanding that entrepreneur mind. But I think it just comes down to honestly wanting to change the world in some context. And so I think that that was a big part of that is seeing I want to change the world. I want to impact the world. And honestly, we all have the power to do that. Mm-hmm. And I think um, that's the best part about you know, America. In that context, there's lots of freedom to do that. Um, and we're in a space, too, where it doesn't take a lot to want to do that. It more takes the will and the heart to want to do that and, and change the world and impact something and, and feel committed, but also have a buyer that you're providing value to. Right. That's that's kind of the other side. It's like, well, I really want to do this. Well, but you have to be able to provide value. Right. Right. If you don't, just because you want to do it isn't a value statement. That's you. That's a value to you, not a value to the market. Exactly. Right? So I think that's probably the biggest thing is just wanting to be able to affect outcomes and create outcomes. Um, but I also think too, just um, in that same sense, a real understanding of risk and risk is, is big. I think my 
feelings of risk have changed over time and, and how you take proper risk, how you grow inside of risk. Um, and that's good for entrepreneurs because risk is that first big hurdle. And I remember reading um, Four Hour Work Week, which is a fantastic book. It's not as popular as like the Titans book that he wrote now, but it's um, Tim Ferriss. Tim Ferriss, right? yeah, yeah, Tim Ferriss. And so Four Hour Work Week just goes through this whole process of how how to jump ship. You know, I remember reading that on the train as I was going to the Mark train to my um, uh, job at the time, and he's working through that process. And you know, he talks about things of like you actually have more security working for yourself than you do for someone else. And he goes through all these little examples of this. I'm like, yeah, you're right. So like, just just that idea of risk um, and understanding that you know, as an entrepreneur, um, and if you hold tight to that idea, if you're going to create, if you're really going to create true value. You've seen this even in the early people you talk about, and you've adjusted and shown the product too, and you have that initial momentum. Um, you can help mitigate that risk in that process. So. Those are probably the two things that got me to re- launch that this venture in that context. They help you, you know, yep. get where you are today. Yep. Do you have any, Do you think you had any? I mean, everyone has to grow and learn from their mistakes. Any bad habits you feel like you you may oh, have absolutely. dropped? I'm still working through them. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I think in the same sense that control, understanding that you know, I need to build a company, not just myself. Um, mm-hmm. So delegation challenges with that um, have been always a growth, and that's just part of being a CEO. I think, and I'm I'm a very very typical e-myth um, example. If you've heard of e-myth, it's a great book. It just talks about the um, the best doer isn't always the best business owner. Like I'm, I was one of the best um, designer developers. Um, I was a really good marketer, mm-hmm. but now I have to run a business, and that's a whole different skill right. set of things. That idea, the e-myth, kind of talks about that. So I haven't heard that term, but I've, I've heard the the concept. Like even with engineers. The best engineer may not make the best manager. Absolutely. Same basic stuff. concept. So learning things like delegation, mm-hmm. structure. Um, but luckily, I'm a systems person, so I kind of get systems really easily. And so building that process has been one of the, the bigger mistakes. And I think it's really just produced some slowness. And I think that's the big thing to look at is just, you know, those hangups produce slowness sometimes and maybe not the outcomes you're looking for. But I believe that, um, you know, we have the ability to create great businesses. Everyone does. It's really about working through the leadership issues more than anything. I just say I've worked for leaders, so I feel like we could have done other things without the leadership issues mm-hmm. or leadership concerns. And I think as leaders, we all look at ourselves as entrepreneurs and realize that we're just capped by ourselves, honestly. And this, this economy, this market, this great opportunity, this nation, um, we're really just capped by our own beliefs in a lot of contexts. And that's not supposed to be some kind of large, you know, dogmatic statement, but I just feel like that's a lot of it. I mean, there's, Everyone has a certain amount of risk they're able to handle. Someone right. has a certain amount of control they're able to delegate. Right. A lot of um, their ability to talk to other people, their communication strategies that may affect the way they can hire and things like that. So I think great leaders ultimately create good companies and, and vice versa. It's just a matter of how you can expand that process as you grow. Right. Yeah, and I was going to ask what some good advice you can give. And well, like, th- there you go. I think he just did. <laughs> he just did, yeah. <laughs> So, so when um, creating New North or starting New North, did you always envision starting a company like that here in Frederick? Or, well, I'm born and raised in Frederick, so okay. yeah, I've been here my whole life, and I just love this town. Um, and you know, I think that it wasn't necessarily a conscious decision. I just wanted to live and work where I lived. Um, mm-hmm. But it had a great has a great community here in Frederick, and the business community is, is amazing. And there's so many firms here. Um, that do business nationally, even internationally here. And so I think there's just this feeling sometimes from the outside, if people don't know Frederick, they right. just think, well, you know, do you work on a tractor or you fix them? You know, kind of thing. <laughs> and it's like, well, that's not really this industry. And if you knew Frederick, you would know there's huge international companies here. There's 
I mean, it was a lot of services to DC and the district and, mm-hmm. and nationwide. And so that's been one of those things I didn't anticipate, but it's just, it's an awesome blessing to be in a, a community where you've got companies that are, you know, huge companies, but they're just under the radar. Right. Not a need for this, you know, megapolis like Towson's Corner where there's all these buildings. I mean, you just got great companies and we realize that we just don't want to live on top of each other. Right. We want to live in a place like Frederick. It's a beautiful town, historic properties, and just want to live a good life while creating amazing work. And that's actually kind of boiled into a lot of our core values too, this idea of, um, I don't call it work-life balance, but it's this idea of having work and but also living in a great way too. You don't have to go to DC to, you know, do great work. That's it's not right. it's not anymore. I mean, the internet changed that forever for everyone. But in the same way, you just don't have to be there. You can actually live somewhere good and enjoy life and produce fantastic work at the same time. We call it the craftsman mentality. Like you can be a craftsman here, make great craft. We can sell it throughout the world, basically, and you don't have to like fight traffic all day. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that's kind of the idea. Is is why we why we like, we stay here too. I mean, we could obviously slide slide down two seventy and be in Rockville, whatever, but. Staying here is where we're going to stay. Do you guys have any employees that, that actually like commute from D.C. or like that area up here? Um, we've had some in the past. We don't have any right now. Okay. We've had some in the past. Okay. I never understood why they did that. <laughs> but um, it's, it's, they enjoy the reverse commute. The reverse commute. But there's just challenges say. with like cost of living and things. So it right. rarely happens. Um, but we have had that before. Okay. Cool. Mm-hmm. So um, I saw that you also volunteer quite a bit here. Like, you know, you give um, talks and things like that, right? Um, yep. You're, you were involved with AF Frederick as well, right? Correct. Yep. Point. Yep. Um, yeah, because we actually interviewed Chris Chris Kennedy. He's the current president. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And they're a pretty awesome organization. Yeah. I mean, how, how has that also helped or how have you seen, like, the community respond to those things over the years? Yep. Well, I think that comes into the idea I was talking about about immersion. So when I was in AAF before I started this business, I mean, for those that don't know, AAF is the American Advertising Federation. Um, and so being involved with that, you can immerse in meeting people, understanding the industry, learning from them, seeing the competition. I mean, there's just a checklist of things you can do by joining an organization like that. So that's been supportive. And again, it kind of ties into what Frederick's about, that community. We all, even though we all, we all may be competitors, we have some differences, we all share the same idea that we just don't want to go there. They're, right. they're meaning, you know, maybe DC or, or that context. And so, um, that's been helpful. You know, I, I went to the organization and really that process helps you kind of learn people grow and also learn some skills. You don't always get, I mean, nonprofit boards and right. working through those are just different skill sets and meet great people in that process. Um, but I think also it's, there is just that layer of knowing people and meeting people. And I think that's a big part of it. And, you know, I don't, I don't think you can really be successful being a hermit in that context. So getting yeah, new people, getting out there, seeing people, um, being involved in organizations. And I've, I was very involved for a while and then kind of took a, a back seat as my family um, became the front seat and, and remained so. But as I even get involved now, I think more about how can I provide lots of value and reach a, an audience and, you know, kind of do it that way. And, and now I see it less as kind of for me, but for, for others, even doing this podcast to think, well, I've traveled this road. I've got a good bit of bumps and scars and bruises and things. How can I just share that with people who would be interested in yeah, reading those things to do that? Because um, I know people, I know people by name and people who are continually still pour into me at this stage of my career. Mm-hmm. And so I can take what I've been poured into and pour that out to others who are maybe behind, not say behind, but just in the sense of just starting a different place and pour that out. And that's, that's the cycle of what 
good community, good friendships, good things to do here to build one another up. Um, Absolutely. And everything you're mentioning is just a growing theme that I consistently hear from everyone in this community, whether it's like an organization like Tech Frederick yep. or is it, you know, like AAF Frederick. Yep. Um, it's just the same, the same theme where it's like, um, I'm not, there is competition at some points, but mm-hmm. I'm here to see that we both succeed because yep. you know, I, I'm not trying to just trump you. I'm, I'm just trying to, I want to live in a community where we're both helping each other. The relational is central. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It very much is. Yeah, it very is. And that, that's part of being, I think in the community, but also realizing that, you know, as they say, the rising tide rises all ships. That's right. That's the the basic idea. I think that plays into that is the better business we can have here, the better it'll be for all of us, honestly. Very good. Do you have any uh, speaking opportunities coming up soon or... Um, I know you just did one, right? What was yeah, that I did one about? with the chamber. The chamber. That was about right. kind of marketing strategy and mm-hmm. how to create strategy. We went through eight points of strategy and how to think through things like pricing and cool. niche strategy and, and really how to develop a, a view of how you take your product to market. So, you know, we all, we all create different things and have different tech and how do we put ourselves in a market either uniquely and position it that way or um, provide enough value or unique value propositions to differentiate ourselves to, to actually win some business. And so that's what that was about. Um, this coming year, we're actually, um, we have a brand new space this year. We, we moved. Um, oh, nice. Part and part of our space has a small venue, about 40 chairs we can fit in there. And so we're planning to do event series um, each month coming through 2019. So we've on topics of marketing, but also bringing in um, some co-speaking events to talk about relational things in tech. Maybe it's um, IoT or maybe it's, um, you know, mobile or who knows what will happen next year. We'll need to kind of discuss. But we're, again, the same idea of kind of sharing, collaboration, meeting the community. Definitely. Um, we, we call this room the assembly. We're in, a, in an awesome building. I think it's one of the best buildings in Frederick. Where, where is that? Um, it's uh, on Carroll Street. Okay. It's actually an old bakery. Um, it's called the G&L Bakery, Gambrel and Lewis Bakery. Um, we actually have the original oven in the building, which is about 100 years old. It's That's pretty awesome. epic, so you can come check it out. But so we're calling it events at the assembly. We're in the area that was was kind of the assembly line, part of packing the bread and things. Mm-hmm. So this area, um, we're going to do these events and um, have different kinds of speakers that go through. So I'll be speaking there probably unless other opportunities come up, which... I'm That's sure awesome. Like. Yeah, I would love to check it out at some yeah. point. Yeah, we just want to cover lots of topics and, and really just kind of share share that because I think as more people understand marketing strategy and think through it, especially if you're starting something, I mean... You can just avoid a lot of pain if you just get some strategy things right. right? Yeah, definitely need some advice. <laughs> I'm not, yeah. I don't have a marketing background for sure. Yeah. So. I think a lot of entrepreneurs love to talk about the bruises and the bumps because we would be happy for you to avoid them. Yeah, like, we've already paid that check. Let's. And, and, and those are things that stick with you, you know, in anyone growing pains, things like that. They're yeah. like, I, I can tell you couple things coding experience i'm like yeah you want to avoid this because <laughs> it sticks with you you're like yeah yeah you learn from yeah. that so yeah. cool awesome do you have anything else to add about new north or no i think we covered know? a lot of it yeah, and i just think this this podcast along with the tech community i feel like a lot of it is building momentum in frederick i mean I we're getting more and more of this and i mean tech frederick definitely is a big spearhead of that process um but i'm excited to see how that grows and really how that shapes and um as we can draw attention even to Frederick and, you know, we kick around these little ideas of how this will grow and strategize. I mean, obviously we're vested in tech because tech is our clientele, mm-hmm. but also this idea of how can we run a, you know, 
innovate, renovate this idea of Frederick County I being mean, you know, primarily ag uh, culture, but um, tech culture. We've got such a vibrant space for it. Right. Um, I'm excited to see how that grows over the years. There's just so many challenges. I'm sure the other podcasts have talked about it. We, we just need that that culture, that that marketing campaign almost to say, like, you know, Frederick, Frederick is tech. Like, Frederick is growing in tech where we're pulling them out of the cubes mm-hmm. down in Rockville. You, yep. just, you hear the vacuum sound now. Like, we're just pulling them out. There's just better ways to do it, better ways to live. And there's That's great right. companies here that are doing it. Um, and so I think that's that'll be the, the next five to ten years for Frederick is we can build that base of people who are serious and they see they don't have to go down the road. Yeah, I'm excited for that too. Like that's exactly what I want for Frederick here, you know, yeah. to, to build up that tech community and quite literally put us on the map outside of Frederick, right? Because I, I think a lot of people here understand that we've, we've grown a lot in the past five, ten years, and now it's the next five, ten years can be even better than the last yeah, put us on the map and see like people. Oh, like that is a good you know vibrant space. Like I give an example. I, I've heard so many good things about Charleston, South Carolina, and like yeah. about text the tech scene there. And like ten five years ago, I don't think I would have ever considered Charleston as a place to go for tech. And now yeah. it's like okay, hearing that, I, I want to see yeah. that for Frederick as well. Yeah, it, yeah. There's some great people to talk about that. Um, there's so many challenges to that too. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tech Frederick is a lot of that. But even uh, Vaughn Thurman from Swift Software. I mean. He has done a lot of work in that context of um, fiber. Like how, like fiber is a big challenge for yeah, us. Yeah, it and is. The internet's a big challenge. I mean, you got you know, FiOS lines dropped at the county line. Like, why can't we get residential FiOS here? Like, there's just some challenges with infrastructure. We do have fiber here in, in town, but just availability and things like that mostly mm-hmm. on the map. So, I think there's some really smart people handling these big issues. Um, right. And I'm just I'm glad there's people in Frederick who care about it that much. Um, and that'll every hand on the plow will help. Definitely, right? that's Definitely. that's going to be kind of the key is getting people involved, getting them out there, and, and really advocating for it. Yep. So, last question before we end yep. the, end the podcast: Have you had any recent purchases of less than a hundred dollars that have most improved your life? Yeah, no, it's interesting. I asked about this question. I was thinking, wow, what did I what have I bought recently? Um, <laughs> you know, um, you know, I buy a lot of books. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a really simple answer to say of. Buy a lot of books to read, stay sharp there. Um, just increase productivity. Or anything, in any, anything that, that you think has helped you, even if it's a specific book. Yeah. What's a recent um, book? A recent book, uh, Getting to Yes. It's been an interesting book about negotiation. Um, I'm always a big advocate of traction. That's a book that we use a lot in our, in our books. I, I buy those monthly, I think, for staff and, and people we recommend to. Um, yeah, I wish I had bought more now. You think about no. it. It's Christmas season. It's like I'm buying a ton of stuff, but I'm not buying anything for myself <laughs> right now. Um, so I think, you know, productivity, and this is kind of my thought, I think is, you know, you get a lot of stuff, but I think it's really you know, working what you have to some degree, but thinking about what are the tools and the mindsets that are get you there. Because, I mean, there's there's app du jour on to-do lists and mm-hmm. organization and calendars. and Definitely. It's not the tools, the mindset a lot of times. So right. I'm usually investing in the mindset. Okay. Kind of buy things, so. Cool. Well, Tobin, thank you so much for for coming Absolutely. on the podcast. Thank you. you know, great meeting you guys. It was awesome to meet you. It was awesome to hear about New North and like your experiences as as an entrepreneur. You know, and I can't wait to check out your your place and see like any speaking events you guys come yeah. up. Have yeah, we come should up. have them on the website soon. Probably look back in January. Okay. Yeah, and yeah. do you want to mention the site? Sure, newnorth.com. You can check it out there, and um, we'll have an events tab here shortly as we get all the lineups set up and you information. Make a reservation through that. And if you have any questions, you can reach out to me either through the website or through LinkedIn. I'm happy to have a chat.
Awesome. All right. Well, thank you. Appreciate awesome. it. Take care.